Hello, mamas, and welcome back to episode three in our Well-Rested Mama series. Today, we are sharing the top five tips to optimize baby sleep and obviously mama sleep too. So enjoy. Hey, mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. Hello, mamas. Welcome back to episode three in our Well-Rested Mama series with the incredible Sarah from Blossom and Snooze. Today's episode is all about the top five tips for baby sleep. So we do cover some epic content. This is going to be like a write down notes sort of episode. It's going to be super practical and easy to implement everything that we share today. I do recommend you go and check out episode one and two in this Well-Rested Mama series if you haven't already, because we will be briefly touching on some of the things we talked about. So if you want to know a little bit more about them, go check those episodes out. They are about understanding and sort of changing the perceptions of baby sleep. So what we're expecting from babies and how that may not match what is biologically normal. We also talk about co-sleeping, which is super important. If that feels like something you want to explore, go check that out. That's episode two. Today, we're going to share the top five tips from our epic baby and well-being coach, Sarah, who has lived and breathed and trained in this area. So she's got so much knowledge to share with us all. So today in our top five tips, we are going to be fleshing out why understanding biologically normal infant sleep is so important and how to set realistic expectations for you and your baby. Why we need to ditch the tracking apps and tune into your unique baby. So their unique sleep signs, their unique rhythms. And I share in the episode about how my babies have never, particularly Luca, my last baby, has never really fit the mold of what she's quote unquote meant to be doing right now. But how important it's been for me to tune into her unique rhythms because otherwise I'd be pulling my hair out. I'd be so stressed because she's just not quite doing what the books say. We also talk about how to create loving sleep routines and calm sleep environments. We talk about how to support your baby's sleep and how to cultivate a self-care practice. And these are the top five tips to cover well-rested mama and well-rested baby. So I really think today's episode is going to be super important. Now make sure you do subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast because we have one more episode left in this well-rested mama series. It is a four-part series and the episode we have coming up is important for everyone. It is about looking after mum and looking after babes. It's talking all about how to fill mum's cup up, how to make sure mum's getting adequate sleep because I think with this conversation about baby sleep, It can get lost that it's actually mostly important for mum to be getting good sleep because you cannot support your baby to sleep well if you're not sleeping well. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that episode. That will be the last one in the series coming up next week. But today we're going to dive into these top five tips. You're going to walk away from this episode feeling like you have got the confidence and the skills to be able to support your baby into good sleep and good sleep, which is biologically normal for them. So Any Pregnancy Posse members, don't forget to check out the bonus video on this podcast series, which Sarah has kindly shared with us. It's a 25-minute deep dive on all of these topics. It just goes into more depth than we can ever get to on the podcast. I I want you to go check that out. And if you are feeling called to look after yourself more, if you are feeling like you are pregnant right now, maybe you have a toddler waking up in the night still and you're just exhausted and you're trying to find how you can fill your cup, I do encourage you to move your body 
Come over to the Pregnancy Posse. We have 10 to 15 minute workouts for every week of pregnancy. It takes the guesswork, the mental load out of trying to keep strong and active and mobile during pregnancy. And it's just easy. You can do it with your toddler running around. It means you'll feel better for it. You know, when you wake up tired and you think, oh, the last thing I feel like doing is exercise. But when you actually do it, you go, oh my God, I feel so much better. I have so much more energy. So if if that's speaking to you right now, if you are a tired pregnant mama who is not getting a lot of sleep and you need to fill your cup up and get your body moving, Come and join me inside the Pregnancy Posse for our epic workouts. They are super gentle, pelvic floor, pregnancy friendly. You can find me and the program at thepregnancyposse.com and you can trial it for seven days. And whilst you're there, check out the epic bonus video from Sarah, part of this podcast series. Now, I'm going to stop talking. We're going to jump into the top five tips to support your baby's sleep. Enjoy this episode, mamas. Now, let's talk about baby sleep. And obviously, we all want to get good sleep or nurture as good sleep as we can. Can you talk about, you have these great five top tips for good you know, sleep environments and good baby sleep. Could you share those with us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, just a reminder, these are recommendations. It's not, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. Um, it's all about what works for you and your baby and your family. Um, But yes, I have kind of five areas that I think are super important um, to to look at when we're, you know, looking at baby sleep. So the first is understanding biologically normal infant sleep and setting realistic expectations around that. So we've touched on that in terms of expectations around sleeping through the night, knowing that babies wake and that's normal and that's okay. Knowing that that might be through to toddlerhood as well. So looking at ways of supporting their sleep that are sustainable for us in the long term and um, looking at I guess our understanding of sleep and understanding whether it's a social norm and what other people are kind of telling us the shoulds of sleep or whether it's more of the the biological norm like what is actually happening what's going on what is a baby capable of um, Again, what's their normal? What's their temperament? You know, what do they need? And I guess when we can understand what normal is and that there is such a huge range of normal, it kind of demystifies it, I find. And that means that we can be less stressed about it. We're not constantly thinking. We don't have to be Googling all the time. We can kind of know, well, this is within a range of normal, so I don't really have to lose sleep over it. And if we're not losing sleep over things we're thinking about, it means we're just sleeping, (laughs) which is really nice when you're um, waking a lot with a baby, especially in the early days. But it might be things like understanding the basics of sleep science. Now, I never get into the depths of it with parents because it's just too too much. I want to simplify things for parents. But understanding things like the circadian rhythm and the fact that a newborn doesn't have an established circadian rhythm yet. Um, So just knowing that they might have day and night mixed up because they're still developing that understanding. Um, And and an example of how you can help them develop that is during the day, having them out in the sunshine, having them nap with some daylight. There's a lot of research that comes out of the Possums Institute here in Australia that supports that. Um, So just having basic understanding of that, having an understanding of sleep pressure and sleep hormones and how that works and the fact that we can't force a baby to sleep. We can't look at a schedule and say, schedule says 10 o'clock, you must be down for a nap between 10 and 11. If that baby is tired at nine, they're going to be so overtired or just really struggling by the time they get to 10, 
or if they are not tired yet, it's just going to be a battlefield. Mm -hmm. So just understanding things like that um, is important. It's just a, it's a good foundation to have. Um, but like I said, also keeping it simple. We don't want to overcomplicate it because then that just becomes stressful at the other end of the scale. We don't want to um, be always knowing everything. I mean, that's what I did. <laughs> I went and got certified in it. But that's because I wanted to support other parents to be able to understand it um, because my experience was so, I struggled so much in the early months. Um, and then when we have the, the understanding of what's normal, we can then set the realistic expectations around that and look at how we set up our days how we set up our nights and um, a lot of it also comes down to how we view ourselves as mothers and the expectations that we place on ourselves or the pressures that are placed on us as mothers so like I know for me I was always like oh I have to clean I have to cook I have to do that so I need to get my son to sleep in his cot so that I can do these things, so that I can have self-care. He needs to be in his own room at the beginning of the night so I can be with my husband. And it it didn't work. He needed to contact nap for a long time. You know, he, he just needed that contact. And it just, it was just such a friction all the time with sleep and such a point of stress because that was before I knew that, well, it was normal that he didn't want to be put down. Um, so I then found ways of, okay, well, how can I, the things that I do need to get done, can I baby wear him for a nap? Um, can it wait until someone else is here so they can help me or they can hold him or, you know, whatever it looks like and really reprioritizing things, looking at what actually does matter. Like, does it matter that the laundry pile sits here next to me and isn't getting folded? Like we're just wearing it and then washing it again. It's not getting put away in cupboards because that actually doesn't matter. Um, and that's going to look different for everyone. Like everyone um, has different things that might stress them out. So like I like to have a cleaner kitchen because I want to just go in and make food without having to clear a space. But the lounge, you know, is like mess all the time. So it's just reordering things in terms of priority. And again, it will change depending on the age of your baby as well. Um, but particularly in the newborn phase, like you're sitting down feeding a lot of the time. So, you know, bringing in, ways of supporting yourself and just looking at what actually feels good and what actually like really matters mm. prioritizing rest is a big one as well mm. um, number two my tip is ditching the the tracking apps um, and tuning into your baby now I know plenty of people who love tracking apps they work for them but also I speak to heaps of moms that get mega stressed out by it and they think that they have to track Again, it's this, it's our culture that tells us we've got to be on top of things. There's got to be structure. We have to know what's going on. And that makes it really hard to just lean into what is actually happening and meeting our baby where they're at, meeting ourselves where we're at. And um, I think sometimes mums just need permission to say, if you don't want to track your baby's sleep and their feeding and their poos, <laughs> You don't have to. If it's not working, if it's stressing you out, you don't have to do that. Um, you know, and things like understanding, you know, average wake windows as a guide for, you know, maybe roughly when to start putting them to sleep for a nap or something. That can be helpful. But as a guide, again, we want to tune into your individual baby, mm -hmm. looking at their sleep needs, looking at what they need as a 
individual human being. Mm. And um, if we're constantly trying to tie ourselves to a set schedule that is a one-size-fits-all approach, again, it just creates that friction and it just creates stress. So, you know, use them as a tool if they feel helpful. But if they don't, like, you don't have to worry about it. Honestly, the best thing you can do is just kind of slow down, observe your baby, tune into them, you know, learn their cues. And in the early days, it's really tricky because often feeding cues and sleep cues are similar um, and they're tied, like feeding and sleep are tied together. Usually a baby feeds to sleep, especially as a newborn, but as, you know, all the toddlers too, all the way through. Um, but you don't have to watch the clock. You can just tune into your baby they communicate through crying but often um, if we can really slow down and actually observe them there's so much um, early cues in terms of sleep and it's going to look different for every baby but like my son when he was young he'd get like red um, eyebrows as he was starting to get sleepy and by the time he got to like crying and saying like I'm tired like he was tired <laughs> So, you know, if I'd kind of tuned in a little more and stopped looking at these wake windows, again, it would have been less of a battle. Or um, there were so many times where I was bouncing on that yoga ball going, just go to sleep. And he just wasn't tired yet. Looking back, I look at him like, he just wasn't tired yet, Sarah. Why were you doing that for so many hours? So I had it's that just... exact moment yesterday with Luca. Um, she is technically meant to do two naps at this age and she's meant to have I think like a three to four hour awake window and I've always loosely followed the awake windows and they've worked really well and she's just a different baby and she's decided now one nap's pretty good for her and trying to get her down for a second nap is really challenging and I said to my husband yesterday can you take the older kids out go have a play I'll put her down for a nap and then we'll come meet you afterwards (laughs) So I lay down in bed um, with her to put her to sleep and he came in to say goodbye and he looked at her and he said, she's not going to sleep. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 she'll be tired. It's fine. She played, giggled, stood up, clapped, like did all of the things. It was a dark environment. I was moving her to sleep, all the things we usually do. And she just didn't want a bar of it. And I just was like, that's cool. Let's go play with the older kids. Whereas in the past, I think I would have been like, no, but you need to have a second nap because if you don't have a same nap, you're going to be overtired and da, da, da. And I would have put this big story around it. And then I just looked at her and I'm like, you're obviously not tired because I'm giving you all the reasons to fall asleep now if you wanted to, but you don't want to and that's okay. So I just got her up and we carried on with our day and she went to sleep fine at nighttime. And I just think it's really cool to, like you said, like use your own discernment. Like here's the rough guides for maybe a baby age that age uh that you know this is what they might do but like take it as you need to and you know like use your own judgment of what your baby is showing you to decide whether or not that is working for them right now because I'd be stressing myself out to you know if I was truly following them because she's not really participating right now and I just think it's really cool to be like well that's just what she's doing and she's good and she's healthy and she's well and she's happy so obviously it's working for her so I just think it's really good to like you said use it as a guide but don't get hung up on stopping the clock exactly and you know tracking the same with baby monitors I saw someone speak about this the other day about you, they can be great. Sure. They can be great. We know, especially if you're far away from your baby, that they can be really good, but also use your own judgment. If they're making you more anxious or more, you know, like on edge about your baby's sleep, well, maybe it's not a great idea. So I think same with the tracking apps. I think that's great advice. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, meeting your baby where they're at. And like we touched on earlier, realizing that they know their bodies, they know themselves. Yeah, they need our support to kind of put that all in place, but they know. And we just have to kind of let them lead the way sometimes. Um, and I often say, well, actually, my mother in law always used to say this to me he hasn't read the baby books. Yes. <laughs> you have to parent the baby in front of you. Yeah. There's no point comparing him to everyone else because he's him. Yeah. Um, and I always found that really helpful. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. He hasn't read the baby books. <laughs> I love it. Um, so tip number three is around creating loving routines and calm sleep environments. And we touched on this earlier as well as to how this is going to be different for different babies and temperaments and needs. Um, and so, again, not trying to overthink it, having a basic understanding of, you know, sleep environments and whether it's, you know, white noise, whether it's a darker room and it will look different for naps as to bedtime as well, but not having like a set set up in your mind same with like the schedules we don't need to be thinking this is how it should look this is what I need to do you know getting stressed about that um, but looking at what works for your baby and for yourself as well because you're the one that's putting it in place right um, and so if they are responding to the darker room then work with that if they don't necessarily respond to it then it doesn't matter so much which you know you can get out and about and do things like that a bit easier for naps hi mamas just jumping in quickly to let you know i had my first tech glitch when it came to podcasting and unfortunately we lost half the audio from sarah's interview so we had to restart the interview at a different time different date so if it seems a little bit clunky or if we cover topics that maybe we had already covered forgive us we did have to record the second half of this interview at a later date because of the tech problems. So I just want to let you know in case it sounds a little bit different or it seems a little bit off, it is because it was recorded at a different time, but it's still epic. So enjoy. Okay, Sarah, so can you jump into your fourth tip for optimizing baby sleep? Yes, definitely. This one is around supporting your baby sleep. So as we've touched on before, we do need to support our baby's sleep. They need our help. And just to, uh, I guess, put a little bit of a sciencey spin on it to understand where they're at in terms of their capacity, they're born with only about 20% of their brain volume. And then the infant nervous system is about 75% underdeveloped, which is really significant. So that just shows us that they really need our mature adult brain and our nervous system to borrow to be able to regulate themselves and they mirror from us how to do that. And that's how they learn self-regulation over, you know, a, a long period of time um, as they, as, as their brains and their own nervous systems are developing. And that's why we hear a lot about discussions around like skin to skin uh, from a physiological perspective and how that can help them regulate their, you know, heart rate, temperature, all those sorts of things. But it also, of course, applies to emotional regulation and being able to calm down when they're distressed. They need us to be there to support them through. And it's yeah, especially key in the first 12 months, in the first couple of years, while those neural pathways are really being built and connecting. Um, and, you know, as you can imagine, for all of us, sleep is quite a vulnerable state and we do need to be calm to be able to go to sleep. 
And so they need our support in that. And that's, you know, bringing all of these pieces together of the environment and, and all of that, but um, needing us to be there. And then what I always talk about with parents in terms of responding to um, your baby's needs and their own individual needs as to how they need to be supported for sleep, it's figuring out what works for them. So some babies, you know, feed to sleep. So, and that works really well. Some babies don't respond to that as well and they might want a bit of a rock or a bounce. And then it's also going to change as they get older and different phases that they have and things they go through. It will also be different for different caregivers. So mum will have one way, dad will have another way, grandparents, uh, daycare providers, you know, everyone will have a different way and that's okay. It doesn't have to be the same for every person, the same for every sleep, um, nap time might look different to bedtime that might look different to overnight there really is no right or wrong um, I think it's always going off of that feeling of it's working right now let's stick with that you know we're not creating bad habits here and some babies will need more support than others but that's not the result of you know the baby doing something wrong or not having a certain skill it's not a result of a parent doing something wrong um, you know, or creating a bad habit. It's just that everyone's different. We all have our own sleep needs. We all have the things that, you know, we need to calm ourselves before sleep. And it's the same for our babies. And I think that's, you know, the big key here is not trying to fit them into the boxes of, you know, we've tried this and it doesn't work. So that means there's something wrong. It's really just tuning into what they need and being okay with that changing as as time goes on because that's what happens a lot with kids we get used to one thing and then it's you know <laughs> changes again oh my god I feel like that first year of life I, I whenever friends who are first-time mamas reach out to me and say like how do you find did your baby go through the four-month sleep regression I'm like honestly just assume for the first month of uh, for the first year of life that your child will either be going through some sort of progression as you mentioned not regression or teething or there's always something up so once you feel like yeah we've nailed this we've got a routine we've got a rhythm we sleep well next week it'll be totally different so don't get too cocky because chances are you're gonna fall from grace really quickly but also don't yeah. get too just like you know depresso about being in the thick of it because chances are that then they'll just like pull out a really good pattern and you know like it's so up and down that bit in that first year anyway um and like you mentioned earlier as well in the first like three years it's so normal to not sleep through the night so this is not just an a tiny little baby thing like this is for a, a, quite a long time of parenting that your children might need you and I loved what you said about the regulation because I've actually been recently looking a lot into co-regulation as a way of like emotionally helping to regulate my toddlers. And I so notice, and I'm sure you can vouch for this too, but if I am worked up at bedtime and if I am stressed or anxious or ragey or like, just get to bed, you're frustrated, guess what? They don't go to sleep any easier. In yes. fact, it just gets worse. Yes, 100%. <laughs> when, when I'm calm and I'm not in a rush, even if I'm kind of faking it, but I do think kids are smarter than we realize and you can't really fake it because they pick up on energy. But when I'm calm and not in a rush, they go to bed the best they ever do because they pick up on that. And like you said, they're really vulnerable and it's a big separation from parents at nighttime. So they want to feel really safe. So I think that co-regulation piece is, hard really hard if you've got a baby that's really like tricky to get to sleep but so so important 
Yeah. And I think being kind to yourself as well, like you don't have to get it right all the time. We're not going to be calm all the time. It's just not possible. And if we try and then go the other way and put the expectations on ourselves to be on in that sense all the time, like that's not realistic either. But that's where, um, you know, having different ways that they might fall asleep or um, being able to, like I tag team with my husband, you know, example, the other night I had something that I wanted to do after he was in bed. And of course, he <laughs> knew that and you yep. know, bedtime became this whole thing. Um, and I, I got a bit upset and I was like, I need to reset. I need to go and take some deep breaths, recenter myself. And I went out to the lounge room and I said, you're up. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Hubby went in, laid with him for a while, told him some stories, kept him calm. And then because he still hadn't fallen asleep yet, which was fine, I went back in and then it was really quick after that. Yeah. But I think just being kind with yourself, like if you go into it and you're all calm and then it's taking longer and you're getting, you know, worked up, like it's okay. Be kind to yourself. You know, we all have bad days, bad nights. Um, so yeah, be compassionate. So true. And that goes for all aspects of motherhood, doesn't it? Yeah. They know. I was just thinking when you said that, when it was the height of summer, I had this beautiful routine happening where I'd put, because my job is Luca and my husband does the other two kids to bed. So I'm like, you know, once I've got her down, I could do whatever <laughs> I want because I don't have to do it, um, the toddler routine. So I was getting into this really beautiful habit of putting her down to bed, then like running out the door, putting my wetsuit on and going for a surf because it wouldn't get dark till like nine o'clock at night. And I remember one night the surf was pumping and I was so excited. I actually put my wetsuit on to feed her to sleep in bed because <laughs> I just wanted to like get there ASAP. And I no joke, she took till 8 p.m. that night to go to bed. So she was on the boob for like a whole hour, which she never does. But I think she picked up on the fact that I was trying to rush her. She's like, oh, yeah. mum's a bit excitable. Mum was a bit, and I was so frustrated. Like I, and I knew she probably wasn't going to sleep any other way. So it's not like I could have just gone, oh, well, she'll self-settle. Or, you know, like I knew she needed that crutch right there but oh I was like of all the nights why tonight <laughs> yeah it's so hard isn't it and I think it's hard in the moment but then you can look back and you can say well actually that was an invitation for me to come back into the present moment come back into my body come back into the right now um yeah. but definitely hard in the moment oh no it's true and I I recognize that after I felt the frustration I was like Laura right now, you know, the most important thing is to be a mum. The surf is going to look like that again at some stage, you know, there's still, I still got out by the way. I just had a much shorter surf, but yeah. I was like, how cool that I even, you know, can be excited about both of these things at the same, you know, like I did rework it, but yeah, again, it is hard work, but ultimately I think if you're just sitting in frustration, it's not serving anyone, is it? Like it's totally yeah. valid, but it's like, we've got to move through that to be able to then like have that harmony between mums and bubs. Or if we acknowledge that, you know what, this is just full stop not working, then we need to do something different. Like we've mentioned yeah. before about being able to change things. It's not it's not bad. If things aren't working anymore, you, you can do it. It doesn't matter. I'm not sure how long it's going to take, but um, if something's a problem, then you need to change it. So Yeah, exactly. And even just as simple as like if nap is taking too long, they're not going to sleep. Um, I say like give it 10 to 15 minutes. And then go into another room, go outside for 10 minutes and then come back and try again. Because often, the, especially with day sleeps, you know, usually they go to sleep a bit quicker than nighttime than bedtime. So 
like try again you don't it doesn't have to be at a set time um it's better to take a break for both of you especially if you can get out in nature get some nature on you um that's grounding in itself so yeah my um Real life example for nap time troubles today, Luca, who is currently, as we record, nine and a half months old, decided that an awake window of seven and a half hours would be fabulous. Wow. I I know. (laughs) So probably even more. She woke up at seven this morning. I have been trying to get her down from 12 o'clock. It is currently (laughs) 3.50. She wasn't having a bar of it. So I boob her to sleep normally and she was like blowing bubbles at me and crawling around. So I was like, you know what? She's happy. And I think if it was my first child, I would have been like, oh my God, is her brain going to explode? Like, this is really bad. Why is she? And eventually I just thought, you know what? I'm going to go outside. Like you said, I put her in the pram and I thought, I'll just rock her, see how she goes. And within like five minutes, she fell asleep and she never has pram sleep. So it's not even like that's something she's used to, but she just obviously wanted a change of routine or something a bit different. And so she went to bed at three o'clock, which is actually eight hours after she woke up. Is that not crazy? Yeah, it's amazing what they do some days, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I don't know what her little brain is doing today, but you know, if she's happy, I'm happy. And I think that's the message is like, yes, that is not at all the recommended wake window for her age, but I just rolled with it because I was like, there is no point me being frustrated, forcing a child to sleep if I'm providing her the environment that she usually has and she doesn't want to take it. So yeah, that's crazy. Sorry. Tip number five yes. for baby sleep is to cultivate a self-care practice. So um, we're going to talk, delve a bit deeper into self-care, but the reason that this is such an important piece specifically for your baby sleep is because of that co-regulation piece and the fact that, you know, they're going to um, you know, regulate off of our energy and they need us to be calm and that, you know, they're not going to go to sleep as easily if we're uptight as well. Um, and so I think the other part of this is that when we know that parent, that we know that babies wake a lot (laughs) and that it's ongoing, it's more than a couple of months. Um, we need to look at this as a sustainability thing. You know, it's, it's ongoing. There's no off switch. (laughs) We can't kind of just hit pause and then go and take a break. Um, we have to find ways of responding that are sustainable. So it's just kind of tying all of that together and then, you know, coming back to setting those realistic expectations and finding ways to support your baby's sleep, support yourself, um, you know, and bringing in other people if you can as well. So, you know, like you have your routine with your husband and yourself, you know, we all, we all do things like that wherever possible. And that just helps us to um you know carry that rather than having it all on our shoulders so wherever possible trying to prevent the burnout because it is a long-term thing yes definitely and I think the term postnatal depletion is becoming really recognized now because on so many levels mothers are depleted like spiritually energetically physically emotionally um, we're so depleted and then like even our physiology our hormones and our nutrients and um, it's really becoming well known that this is a thing and sleep is such a big part of that and filling your cup up and making sure that you first and foremost feeling good because you can't give from an empty cup really can you Ah, I really hope you loved that episode and you're now feeling like you've got 
some confidence, some education, some tools behind you to help support your baby's sleep and to understand what to expect from baby's sleep and how you can start to implement little things to nourish that. And this is not about a sleep routine of, well, your baby's got to wake up at seven and they've got to go down for a nap at eight. It's quite the opposite. As we talk about in this episode, it's about what is your baby telling you? And here are like the general themes of how you can support your baby, but you need to find what's their unique rhythm, personality. What are they actually trying to tell you? And I think once you tune into your baby and ditch the books, because like Sarah mentioned, her mother-in-law said, your baby hasn't read the baby books. They don't know that they're meant to be asleep at this time and awake at this time. And I think it's really important that you tune into them. So I really hope it's given you the confidence to be able to support yourself to support them to sleep. And if you're pregnant listening to this, I think you are a legend for getting on top of this sort of information. High five to you because if you can know this before you go into that postpartum period, I just think you're honestly miles ahead because your expectations are set so realistically. You've got the tools to support you and babe to sleep well so that you're not this chronically tired, overwhelmed new mum. You might, God forbid, actually thrive in motherhood, which would be amazing, not just survive, which is so so important. So I really hope you love that episode. If you did, as always, jump on over to Physio Laura. That's my socials. I'd love to hear from you. Come and tell me what you learned from this episode. And if you want more support or education around this topic, go and check out Sarah. She's at Blossom and Snooze. Uh, She's such a wealth of knowledge. So go and check her out too. And again, final reminder, if you haven't checked out the bonus video inside the Pregnancy Posse membership, it is free to all members. It is a 25 minute deep dive on all of these sleep topics and how you can integrate them into your realistic mothering postpartum parenting routine. So it's a really important video. Go and check it out if you haven't already. And if you do want to fill your cup up, make sure that you feel like your energy is tip top. You want to move your body. Remember, we have amazing pregnancy posse workouts, 10 to 15 minutes long, super achievable to fit into your day. So if you're listening to this topic and you're thinking, I'm so tired and you're reaching for the caffeine and you're feeling like a sloth, I promise you, come and do one of our workouts, you will feel a million bucks afterwards. I can get honestly hundreds, almost thousands of women to vouch for how good they feel after doing a pregnancy posse workout. So if you're sitting on the couch listening to this right now and thinking, I feel so tired, jump onto thatpregnancyposse.com, come and do a workout and then text me, message me, tell me how you feel afterwards. Okay. You can find out more information, thatpregnancyposse.com, trial it for seven days. Remember, mamas, there's one more episode coming up, episode four, where we're going to be talking about how to look after you. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss that. And until then, I hope that wherever you are, you are looking after yourself and being kind to yourself, having the best day ever. And thank you so much for stopping to take the time to listen to this episode, pop it in your ears. I so appreciate you being here and well done to you on taking steps to feel more educated, feel more empowered. You are a legend. So I'll catch you soon. Bye.